Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's a Wednesday, I know that. But one thing I do not know is the future of golf, at least for the next year or so. I think I know less today. Scott Van Pelt of the Mothership will join us coming up in about 20 minutes, and we'll see if he has any insights into what the future holds. Welcome to the program. It's hour one, so Scott will join us. Nick Wright, our good buddy from Fox Sports, a little bit later on as we get ready for Game 3 Nuggets at the Heat. No Tyler Hero for the Heat. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Your phone calls are always welcome. Our operator, Tyler, is standing by. Say good morning to those watching on Peacock. Download the app if you haven't done so, and you can watch this program for free. This program, this hour, brought to you by Meguiar's. They have come to the rescue again. The new hybrid ceramic tire shine renews dull tires by darkening the appearance and adding long-lasting high gloss, and it keeps shining even when exposed to water. Give Meguiar's hybrid ceramic tire shine a try. Meguiar's reflect your passion. Stat of the day is always brought to you by great folks at Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. It was 23 hours ago, 24 hours ago, that uh, got an email. And we weren't quite sure what the email was. Talked about a merger. A lot of fine print there. And then all of a sudden there's an interview on CNBC and the PGA Tour commissioners there with a representative from the uh, Saudi Tour, the Live Tour. And all of a sudden we're finding out in real time, just like the players were, hey, there's a merger. And it's for the greater good of golf. After nearly a year of bitterness and legal battles, the tour and the live tour are officially in business. The news comes as a surprise to a lot of people because the live tour had been viewed as a major threat to the so-called purity of the PGA Tour. We brought out uh, an emphasis on loyalty and patriotism in 9-11. And this helped keep the tour uh keeping some of their top players there on tour and not going to the live tour. And, uh, you know, you have the uh, PGA Tour and the commissioner constantly attacking live due to the connection to uh, Saudi sport, uh, sports washing. And uh, this is dripping with hypocrisy. The PGA removed players' tour guards uh, cards if they join live. 
now the PGA has done exactly what they were warning their players not to do, and now you're taking money from uh, the Saudis. And so is the PGA Tour, not just the Live Tour. And they didn't even have the courtesy to inform their players what was happening. And then I don't even know what could possibly happen without the policy board. The PGA has five players on the uh, policy board. Rory McIlroy, Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantlay, Peter Malnati, and Charlie Hoffman. And I'm guessing this had to be run by them if they were going to go ahead. Did it have to be unanimous that everybody signed off on this? So uh, the organization that's preached loyalty, uh, this is not one of the better looks for the PGA Tour after uh, what happened yesterday. You're informed via Twitter and other media outlets. And imagine these players going, wait, this is our tour? Because the commissioner kept saying, hey, we, we. And the players got together with the commissioner yesterday in Canada and said, what's this we stuff? We didn't, we, we're, it's on our tour. You're the one that decided. I don't know what Jay Monahan got out of this personally. That was my first thought. But I'd like to know. We've invited everybody from Greg Norman to Phil Mickelson to Tiger to the commissioner to Rory McIlroy. Uh, nobody wanted to come on and uh, speak on record about this. And I understand that this is a, a seismic shift in what we thought was going to happen in the future. You know, would live fold because there was no uh, TV partner. Now they have the CW, but really a, a major player here where we could watch the product. Did, this was the future of the sport. You got to have fun. You got to wear shorts. They played loud music and you played 54 holes. I go, that's not the future of golf. Sounds like a fun weekend, but that's not the future of golf. The future of golf is money. The Saudis bought the PGA Tour, plain and simple. And so you have these players, you know, Tiger could have made $800 million. Well, he didn't. But now you, the commissioner has put these players in a position where if you get paid now, you're getting paid by the Saudi government. Or you got to retire. It's a terrible, terrible position that the commissioner put these players in. Hey, you didn't take the money from the Saudis like Mickelson, Brandel Chambly, or uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, but then you have guys who are in the United States playing for the PGA Tour. John Rahm didn't take the money, and Rory could have gotten $400 million. Uh, Colin Morikawa, they all could have gotten paid. They didn't. So they had loyalty. And what did you get for your loyalty? Nothing. Because now it's a forced partnership, and now you are getting paid by the Saudi tour, but you're not getting 100 or $200 million like Phil Mickelson did. What do you do if you're Brandel Chambly? He works for the Golf Channel. Golf Channel run by the PGA Tour. You're going to take Saudi money, aren't you? Do you have to go independent? Does Brandel Chambly have to retire as an analyst, step down, do something else? The commissioner put a lot of people in bad situations here. I'd love to know, and he keeps saying, hey, this is about down the road, 10 years down the road. Well, okay, but we need to talk about today. How about we start with yesterday, and then we can get to 10 years down the road. But I'd like to know, what was that first phone call like, Commissioner? Did you call them? They call you? What was the conversation? Hey, we can end all the uh, litigation. Uh, okay, it's going to cost this, or we can do this, or... Let's create a world tour under one roof. Okay. Just tell me, did you get a bump in pay here? 
Like, what are you getting out of this? What were you worried about? Uh, let me see if I have some of his uh, answers. He talked about that he got some more information here. Now, I don't know what the information was that wasn't available to him last year or the year before, but it felt like the commissioner was saying, you know, hey, I got uh, information now and it changed, uh, you know, what, what our philosophy is. Um, here is uh, the commissioner yesterday talking about being uh, hypocritical. I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite. And anytime I've said anything, I said it with the information I had at that moment. And I said, I said it based on someone that's trying to compete for the PGA Tour and our players. And so I accept those criticisms. Okay, I'd just like to know some answers, that's all. So you're going to take the slings and arrows, but what changed? Did you change? Because I don't know if the information changed. Sounds like the commissioner changed and then decided, uh, can't beat him, guess we'll join him. And now you've got, and I still don't know what the, the future of the tour is. Are we, are we going to play by the live tour rules? So you're going to play 54 holes? Are you going to have team events? Is there more money? Is there another major? Uh, are we going around the world? You got, uh, ma- you know, is it, uh, a major going to be held at another place around the world? I mean, there's the U.S. Open has to be here. The British Open has already played there. The Masters is played here. The only one is the PGA, unless you say, hey, we're going to have a fifth major here. But you've also put these players in a really difficult position. Okay, we didn't leave. We had a conscience. You guys banged on the drum on patriotism and the Saudis and 9-11 and all of those things. Now we're going to be taking their money. And I think people, like, you can't pick where you go, man, you guys are stupid. You didn't take the live tour money. Well, at the time, they were doing what they thought was right. And that's what the commissioner has done. He's put him in a really difficult light that, hey, I didn't take the money then. I was trying to be loyal. Now you're not loyal. So now I have to take their money. I'm wondering if the players can, you know, Forced Jay Monahan to resign as the commissioner. The players had a meeting yesterday, and I think it was pretty contentious there with the commissioner. But he's put him in a really difficult position. But the commissioner had this to say yesterday about it was a great day for golf. It's a historical day for the PGA Tour and the game of golf. And it's a historical day for the PIF and the DP World Tour. And, you know, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf. It looked like an infomercial. When I first saw it on CNBC, I thought, okay, I mean, might as well have the uh, Shamwell guy there doing an infomercial here. That's what it felt like. It was an infomercial for what is next with the Saudi-backed live tour. And if a player wanted to go play, go play. I just didn't want them to dismantle the PGA Tour. I wanted to still have the majors. I still wanted to see these events. I would love to have those players play. But if you chose to go, then you chose to, it was a vote against the PGA Tour. Is the PGA Tour uh, perfect? No, not at all. Uh, Phil Mickelson taking a victory lap that, you know, is this making the PGA Tour better? I don't know. You raise the money. Uh, 
you know, can you play less events? What, what are they doing with world rankings? And, uh, you know, you've got Ryder Cup. And, and like, there's so much involved here that it's not easy to go, you know what? This is going to be great for the game. I don't know that. And the players don't know that. And the fact that they had, they found out when I found out, man, I'd be livid. I'd be livid at that commissioner. And the first thing I would say is, what is your salary? What were you promised? Because it's all transactional, right? Nobody got a heads up here. Tiger didn't. Rory didn't. And those are the guys who've been out there banging the drum. Maybe it is better. Maybe down the road. And yes, we're in bed with a lot of different companies, governments. I get it. NBA. We saw what happened with China. Shh, don't say anything. I get it. But... This is one where the commissioner was saying, hey, they're responsible for 9-11. Well, if I'm a patriot, I can't join the live tour. Like all of these things that this is what you presented, and now can you answer? What did you find out? They're not responsible for 9-11? Like, you got some information? It's the same partner. It's the same money. It's... It's a sad day. It really was. Yesterday was a sad day. That you're, you got, you got principles, you got morals, then stand on them. Or just do me a favor, don't pretend to stand on them. Yes, Eden. All right, that's the position. Now, Jay Monahan has forced the players to put their money where their mouth is twice. Yeah. Some of them have already done it to the tune of $800 million. And now it's either play or retire. Yeah, Paul. Could, could the players like John Rahm, Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy kind of collectively partner together and say, okay, the, 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 the money coming from the Saudi Royal Fund is still there. But this new partnership, you're going to have to pay us what Brooks Kepka got and what uh, other guys got to have us in the fold as a group. Well, if I'm some of these marquee guys, I go to Jay Monahan and say, look, man, we took a bullet for you. You know, we were banging the drum here, you know, keep the PGA Tour alive. Now, can we trust you going forward? Are you, are you setting up something for us? We were loyal. And now people are looking at us like we're fools. Like, you should have taken the money. Yes, Eden. But that's, the whole point is they didn't want to take their money at all. Yes. So getting together now to say, well, now pay us again anyway, even though we said no the first time, well, that would be hypocritical. Yeah. The, the problem is, is now if they want to continue playing, they're forced to take the money. Yeah. There's no other option, or what are you just going to play for free or something? Like, there's no other option. We'll talk to Van Pelt about this. I, I still, I don't even think the PGA Tour knows exactly what the PGA Tour is going to be moving forward. Yes, he. Well, there's this one article that I'm reading. It says, according to several players, nothing close to a concrete plan was offered by Monahan. What was described was a framework for a merger that was far from fleshed out. <laughs> I mean, how did. <laughs> How does that happen? Far from fleshed out. You're making this. Oh, gosh. This feels like one of those corporate takeovers where the people say, let's get the deal done and we'll figure out the rest later. There's so much money involved here that Jay Monahan and the Live Tour said, let's just get it approved, hide it from everybody, explode it on CNBC, and we'll convince everyone else later that how we're going to work this out. Why CNBC? Business, like somewhat of an obje objective business place. But that's the problem, that, that you have really based this on emotion, 
not a financial this that's what it it feels like it's just a financial transaction that's all yeah we'll figure it out just let's just get it done and uh, no worries we, we we'll figure it out down the road don't worry about it players should not have found out same time we did that's all all right uh what's the poll question today we'll take a break then uh, we'll talk to van Peasy coming up uh, we got a few options for you, Dan. Uh, we could do yesterday. PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan saved golf, killed golf, or both. Yeah. Well, we did wonder that soon after this was announced, and Seaton brought that up. I don't know if the commissioner saved golf or ruined golf. And will he even be around in ten years? So he said, "Oh, let's judge it ten years down the road." You know. Right. Like, did did Greg Norman yesterday win or lose? I think he lost. Because he had already gotten paid, and now they moved him to the side, and now it feels like, uh, Greg, thank you for your contributions, but uh, we'll take it from here. It feels like like I got you to the finish line, and now you're cutting me yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Man. All right, we'll take a break. <laughs> I, I keep thinking, at what point in the 30 for 30 are we? Are we in hour one? Mm. Are we in early in hour two? If this is a five-part 30 for 30, is it day two, three, four of the Live Tour and PGA Tour? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to know what went on behind the scenes. And if there are only two people involved, then we may not find that. The fact they kept this a secret, uh, man, congratulations, I guess. Let's take a break. We're back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, it's not just golf. If you look at what the Saudi government is doing with soccer, they're trying to get Messi to go there, and who knows what they're going to pay him. You know, They already have Ronaldo. I think they've got one player who actually makes almost as much money as NFL teams do with their salary cap. That's Karim Benzema. Yeah, they got him from Real Madrid. And he, I think the reports are his salary is going to be about $217 million a year. <laughs> and an NFL team salary cap is $225 million. And they, I guess, have uh, uh, said that they're going to spend about $20 billion over the next two years to bring all the soccer talent to Saudi Arabia. Right. At right. least that's what their goal is. And there's big names. And Golo Conte's a big name. He just signed there. For a hundred and something million a year. What's Messi going to make? Are they talking a half a billion dollars? They offered him something like a billion dollars a year or something to go to Saudi Arabia. But it looks like right now reports saying that he's probably going to come to MLS uh, and sign with Inter Miami. Which is interesting because then he's going to the worst team in MLS, which is going to be a hell of a Hmm. wake up for him. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, ESPN Sports Center anchor, golf host, and kind enough to wake up after uh, working last night. Uh, Van Pesey, great to have you on. Thank you. What was your first reaction yesterday at uh, 10 Eastern? Thought it was fake. Thought it was fake. Um, just because that's sort of what I think, you know, Twitter sort of trains us not to buy much. Um, but obviously, quickly, you determine, <clears throat> pardon me, that, well, this is a, this is a real thing. And it's 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 stunning. And I was thinking about this last night and this morning in, in chatting with you that, you know, we've both been fortunate to, to be at this for a while. And there are moments, real actual real bombshell news, news um, moments that you just think, wow, there's I mean, a whoa, rather, there's a lot of wow moments in sports. This was a whoa, because just the, the things that the commissioner had said. Um, using, you know, 9-11 as a reason never to be in business with with um, the Saudi fund. And then now, hey, now, nah, these are great guys. So here we go. I mean, it, and he what he said yesterday about, you know, dealing with the information that he's got and, and that things change. Well, it's not, what changed here. Yeah. I mean, you connect the dots and you could certainly look to litigation, which is costly and discovery, which I don't think either side's particularly interested in. Um but my reaction was just that I was I was amazed, given the rhetoric um, and given the, the, the specific things that, that Commissioner Monaghan had said, that this was the direction that they went. And I can tell you, his his players were as well. What bothers you the most? Well, look, just to be clear, when it comes to business, I, I'm rarely troubled by what people decide to do. They, I, the players that went to live, they had in some cases, nine figure decisions to make. And I never held that against anyone because I've never had that decision to make. And many of the people that will, you know, very, you know, um, vociferously moralize about that in their lives have not been confronted with that. And I, so I find that very difficult business to do. 
all that all that bothers me is if when you say you say one thing that is here and then this is 180 degrees removed from that it's not slightly different it's the exact opposite and i bother i don't know that it bothers me it interests me to know what it is and i don't necessarily know that, that those answers will be coming to to say well you know look it's it was it's always the money dan right it's always the money in some form or fashion yeah. so is it simply a matter that the tour recognized that if this was going to be an arms race related to dollars it was not a battle that could be won in the long game how do you think the pga tour is going to look in a year and a half two years from now that's the question that some of the biggest players in the game and i, and I were talking about yesterday you know it's funny and again you could relate you know you you know the people in the business and mostly i think mostly it's we, we you know you text back and forth yesterday was one of those things you text somebody and instantly you'd see the name pop up because the phone's ringing because this is a conversation more than it's a text thread and i'd ask them what do you, what and they'd say to me well what do you think it's going to look like and i'm you're asking me i mean I, I don't know i can't think that the live model will exist as in you know golf but louder and 54 holes and shorts and shotguns i mean and listen by the way shorts it's, it's hot in the summer we'll have more shorts who gives a damn yeah. but i can't think that that model will exist there was in the press release something about the t a team aspect being part of it now does that mean there would be certain events much like zurich right in new orleans which is a two-man team event might there be a team component um I think there probably will be, uh, my, would be my guess. But what I don't know is currently, I don't believe live players and PGA Tour players will be competing in the same events, meaning like this year. But I mean, next year, are they all sort of under the same umbrella competing in events? Uh, I think at some point they'd have to be because I believe that's what the fund was buying uh, in a sense or investing in. They don't own it outright, but they're the largest investor because you, you bought players. But on live, you just didn't have the distribution where you were being consumed as a product, right? You needed to have it. You need to have a television partner where you had eyeballs. They didn't have that. Um, and yeah, I get that they've got a bottomless well of money, but at some point you just, you want to spend it on something that feels like an actual investment. That's a product being consumed at large. And I think that that has to happen at some point. Um, but you asked in a year, is it a year? I don't know. Cause I, you know, Dan, I don't know what I don't know in terms of the contracts. How long do they run? This changes everything from a TV perspective, I would think. If you're CBS or NBC or whomever has paid for one thing, well, now it's going to be in a different entity, which I think this new entity is going to sit down and say, all right, let's talk about what it's going to cost to have us on your air. And these are, I'm just all thinking out yeah. loud, but these are all things I think are reasonable, aren't they? Well, I also wondered about this policy board where you have five players who were on the policy board. So you got Rory on the policy board there. Does yeah. the, does does the commissioner have to run this by anybody? Apparently not. Um, or or maybe he is Rory the one person who was privy to some of these conversations. It wouldn't shock me if he were. I mean he he traffics at the highest levels yeah. of um, of you know people that run companies and are you know he's a thoughtful bright guy that who I like a lot. And he was the guy that I kept. I always kept saying, you know, that John Snow like gif or whatever, where he pulls out the sword. He's like, I'll fight. I'll fight everybody from Game of Thrones. I felt like that was Rory last summer. And if he really, like all the rest of these guys, woke up yesterday to find out this had happened, 
Well, then you've done him dirty, man, because you let him do carry all your water last summer. Yeah. And and then this happened. So if he did know, if he was the one guy that knew something, that to me would have been honestly reasonable given what he did for the tour last year. But the commissioner put these players in a difficult position. Hey, you don't take money. That's blood money. And look at what they did with 9-11. So now you're in the position of you have to take that money if you're going to pl- continue to be a professional golfer. Correct. You, he, he took the money he forbid them from taking and banned them from taking if they took it. And if, there, if players just – if it was loyalty to the tour, if it was um, – a, tr- a belief that that was money they didn't want a part of. Well, tough, tough. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss here. Um, it's, it's too bad because now that now you're we're I'm taking it. So by by proxy, so are you. Um, so, but he he put him he put he he put himself in the toughest spot. I, and I don't know if it's survivable. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I I, I was told last night um, that in the meeting that when a call for his. For, for new leadership came that it was greeted with warm uh, applause. Um, and people are going to be pissed, especially yesterday when this comes out of nowhere. The thing that I keep coming back to is that we often don't know what we don't know. And when you get a look at what this will mean, um, perhaps there's, there's, uh, there's a windfall that is, that is such that the rank and file go, oh, I see why this was done. I understand why this was done. Um, but, but without that, we're currently operating on, well, how's this work again? Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't take 10 million, 20 million, in some cases, a nine figure deal. I don't know what the Tiger offer was for real. Um, but I, I, don't care, I don't care how rich you are, the money that they were offering him is life-changing money even for a really rich dude, and he didn't take it. Yeah, we're just trying to figure out the context of this. It's basically, hey, this is happening. We're not quite sure what the future is going to hold, or we're not going to tell you that. I want to know what Jay Monahan got. I mean, sure. this is of all course. transactional, Scotty. And I always, I mean, that always again, I, I, I was only half kidding when I, you know, when I quoted Nino Brown from New Jack City, and it's, you know, always business, never personal. So, I mean, it, in Monahan's case, is it self preservation? Um, is it to, to give himself some soft landing spot? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know any of that. What um, happens to Greg Norman? That's another really interesting one because it, I think, you know, Alan Shipnook, who's got the book coming out on it. Um, he's been as, as up to date as anybody on all of this. Uh, and the guys from no laying up who do a great job. I think all of them were, were uh, I believe like right to point out that when, it was revealed that Greg found out about it just before they went on CNBC and really wasn't mentioned in the, um, in the press release as having a role. Um, I, I, I don't, is he, is he part of it? I, I, I don't know. Um, but I think, and, and again, I would, if people are interested in our conversation, I think Alan wrote a really interesting piece sort of about his perspective on the winners and the losers and why Greg was really vindicated here, because as you know, so well, You've been covering golf for so many years. This has always been Greg's thing. Yeah. It goes back decades that this was something he kind of wanted to do. And um, it seems that Monaghan essentially took yesterday what he what he said would never happen just a couple of years ago. And they could have avoided all of this had they done it. And, and Norman pushed for it all these years. And, um, you know, some version of it is going to end up happening. It's like when Steve Jobs got pushed out at Apple. You know, Greg Norman started this. 
then yeah. brought in Phil, and Phil became sort of the de facto commissioner of the Live Tour, and you didn't need Greg anymore. I just wonder if Jay Monahan is going to be in position uh, in the next couple of years. Greg Norman probably uh, kicked to the curb here a little bit. It appears. Uh, right? It, it, it appears so. Um, but, I mean, there, I guess – as you point out, in whatever industry that, that that you might look at, at the highest levels, when things happen like this, are the are all the people that are the part of the beginning of it, part of the end of it, and the success of it? Maybe not. Uh, but I mean, already at warp speed, we went from 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 one to the other uh, of where things now are. But again, where that where are we? I honestly I don't know. Um, which makes it such kind of I mean interesting. But but again, just to reiterate. In talking to players at the highest level of the game yesterday, to hear them as um, baffled, may I mean, in the just, 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 I don't know. They did. What's this going to look like? What do you think it's going to look like? And uh, that's a wild place to be when you're asking the guys who passed on the big dough uh, to just kind of buy in, and then you don't tell them what it is, and then they wake up one Tuesday morning to a reality that's entirely different. That's yeah. that's a lot to ask guys to sort of. Except, yeah, I, I corresponded with a golfer yesterday, and he said, "What do you know?" And I said, "Boy, that's sad." If you're asking me, what do I know? And he goes, "We don't know." Exactly anything. what I said. Exactly what I said. I said, "Dan, you know, you understand. I'm on cable at midnight. Uh, I'm just, a, I'm just a humble, <laughs> your humble cable servant. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to, uh, to tell you the specifics of 501c politicking. I don't know, man. Great to talk to you. Thanks for getting up. No problem, Dan. It's my pleasure. Hope you're well. That's uh, Scott Van Pelt, ESPN Sports Center anchor, and of course, uh, golf host. Yeah, I was corresponding with a golfer, and that was the first thing. What do you know? And I go, Dan, it's sad if you're asking me what I know. And he said, We don't know anything. And he wasn't at uh, the uh, RBC in Canada, but he said, Trying to find out information, and we, we're, it's our tour. We can't find out any information. And he said, Can I call you? And I said, Sure. I felt like I was a therapist. Like, how does this happen? We look so bad, don't we? And, you know, you're trying to almost say, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Oh, what a day yesterday. And we're just getting started with this. I mean, you got the U.S. Open coming up. I mean, you, you got all these events, the players. I mean, nobody wanted to talk on record, but that's okay. I mean, I get it. Golf doesn't really have an off-season. You might not play a couple of weeks, but then you're coming back, and the media is going to be there waiting for you. Uh, Lucas in Texas leads us off. Hi, Luke. Welcome back. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good, bud. A couple of quick uh, lightning quick reactions to the, the big news yesterday, uh, and then one question for you. My, my first thing is I love how this was uh, being litigated by Liv in court as – uh, PGA having a monopoly, and now all three big leagues are in together. So uh, what do you call this? Um, and then uh, a, a huge winner that I see in this, a huge winner, is a big friend of the show, Mr. Charles Barkley. This guy turned rumors of affiliation with Liv into a new paycheck with TNT, so well played to the Chuckster. <laughs> and, uh, and, and really, my, my question is, you know, like this, I mean, having different leagues has really led to, like, divisive talk and who's the biggest divider like Rory, Phil, all this different stuff. I think as they get closer to actually playing together that there's going to be like room for a reconciler. Who's that personality of like trying to bring people back together? I mean, is that even someone that we know of right now? Is that an active golfer? Is it a, 
one of the older guard. I, I would love your kind of input on that. Well, I think Jack Nicklaus uh, had a forward spin, a positive spin on it, that he thought it was good for the tour. There's there's a couple of golfers who have said they think this could be good for the tour, and it can be. It's it's a true worldwide tour, and I'm going to guess the money will improve. I don't know what the players are asking for, but there's still going to be a little bit of tension, I would imagine, with some of these players because some of these players, you know, Phil has taken shots at Rory. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau has taken shots at PGA Tour players. Uh, Brooks Kepka, you know, they've, they've taken their shots here. I don't think that goes away anytime soon. Just because now we're under one umbrella here, I don't think that is uh, going to be the case. Uh, Cody in Texas, then we'll take a break. Hi, Cody. Hey, Dan, thanks. I think that in the weeks to come, we're going to learn a lot more that, you know, they're putting the term merger on this, but it, to me, you know, and, I, and you can read some stuff online, if, whether it's true or not, but that the live is the one driving the car now, essentially. And, and I think what, what, what Jay, Commissioner Jay understood was the PGA was running out of money. Uh, and, and I think they're putting merger on it right now just to kind of sell to the public. But in the weeks to come, I think Liv is ultimately in control now. Yeah, and uh, once again, I was corresponding with a, a player yesterday, and he said, are we, I'm trying to get it, the exact phrasing, are we that poorly run of an organization that the Saudi government looked at that and said, let's just take it over? Because I, I think we feel like, oh my gosh, you got, the, the camaraderie here, you got the history here, you got the majors. You, this should be a well-run business. But the player wondered if, out loud, if are we that poorly run that we're, we were easy, easy pickings? And it might be the case. They might have said, why don't we just buy the damn thing? And that's what they're going to do with soccer. They're going to buy the thing. And I thought that Liv was going to go all in on the women's tour and they were going to create their own tour as well. And they might still be doing that. They don't have a salary cap. It's a government fund. Now, they might be down as far as uh, production with oil or the money they're going to bring in, but I'm guessing with a couple of hundred billion dollars, they should be okay. And that's what they're doing. They're they're going all in. They're trying to get into soccer. Uh, they're in soccer. You know, they're, whatever they can do, they're going to try to do. If somebody's willing to sell they're probably willing to buy. But look at what they're doing. The fact that you would pay a soccer player $217 million, rumored, and the salary cap in the NFL for teams is $225 million. Messi, hey, you want to come over here? We'll give you a billion dollars. Ronaldo, you want to come over here? We'll give you $200 million. That's what they're doing. And it's not like they're all, you know, the retirement tour. They're trying to get young, great players, not just... The uh, let's take a final lap here with Messi and Ronaldo. Let's take a break. More phone calls coming up. We'll uh, we'll have more on this a little bit later on, and uh, we'll check in with Nick Wright. Fox Sports will join us as we get ready for Game Three coming up tonight in Miami. Back after this, Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern, six to nine Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio, and you can find us on the iHeart Radio app at FSR, or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, 
for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm not. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sure, the context of this, I just saw the quote Stephen A. Smith referred to Nikola Jokic as a tub of lard that can't jump on a curb. Is he trying to say that in spite of that, he's one of the better players in the league, or he's I think the conversation had to do with most unstoppable player in the NBA, and he said it's not the Joker, it's Steph Curry. Yes, Pauline. The the narrative of Jokic being out of shape is really about four years ago. You know, if you made that case five years ago, four years ago, you're like, okay, he's not in classically great shape. But I think that's a, a pretty dated reference. What's that say about the NBA and the players he goes against <laughs> if he's a Fat tub of lard, and he can't jump on a curb. He's still pretty dominating. Let's bring in Nick Wright, co-host of First Things First on Fox Sports 1, and subscribe to What's Right with Nick Wright on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. 
What are you hot on today? Hi, how are you? <laughs> Great. Thank you for the podcast and YouTube show plug, along with the, you know, surging television show. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd love to talk NBA finals with you. I heard what you were saying about Jokic. I, the, I, it was, I agree with Paulie. Jokic did used to be out of shape. He no longer is. Uh, he's still incredibly unathletic, but that, you know, there are things I keep hearing, for example, how untalented the Miami Heat are. That may or may not be true, but if it is true, it means we overvalue talent or we misevaluate talent because what the Miami Heat do is find a way to win. That Did you know the Heat lead the NBA in playoff victories over the last four years? Think about that. The Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler and fringe all-star Bam Adebayo. And then on a similar note, Jokic, he's obviously unathletic, but he has solved offense as much as a player can solve it. And I guess we're splitting hairs. The most dominant offensive player, Steph or Jokic, but it's clearly one of the two of them. Who would you side with there? Historically, obviously, Steph, right now in the moment, it's Jokic. Right now, listen, and I had been a Jokic, call it critic or skeptic, any of those things. But my biggest complaint was we were not making him go through the steps we made everyone else go through before they were anointed the best player in the league and multiple MVPs, damn near three straight MVPs. The rules have always been we you can get to a point through regular season play and then a totally different place through postseason play. And this year, even if they don't win the title, he has gotten to that place through a dominant, dominant postseason. Now, I what I do think is, you know, going into the playoffs, I would have said Giannis is the best player in the league. He lost to Miami. So everyone stripped him of it. Jokic is the obvious heir apparent. If Jokic also loses to Miami, I don't know that Giannis should be penalized because he did the order of operations. If Miami beats them both, Giannis might retain the crown, but that's because Giannis is a dominant defensive player and Jokic is limited on that end. Well, I think sometimes, well, we're guilty of style points. Steph gives us style points. There's guys who give us style points. Uh, Zion, he's exciting when he plays. Uh, John, sure. he's exciting when he plays. Um, what's the result? Uh, with Joker, he doesn't have style points. But he's great. I think I think that was used against Giannis as well, though. If you remember, we had people arguing Giannis, you know, <clears throat> Giannis versus Anthony Davis was a debate AD won for a while. Giannis versus Kevin Durant is a debate Durant in some corners still wins. Because Giannis doesn't have the bag. Giannis doesn't have the quote-unquote skill. But up until this year, the Game 5 of that series against Miami, obviously very rough for him at the end, his lack of a jump shot or his hit-and-miss free-throw shooting had never really cost him since he had become this fully realized version of himself. My concern on Jokic was in a playoff series when... Instead of running your offense, you hunt mismatches and you get the worst defender in a screen and run pick and roll. Is he going to be able to hold up? And the answer has been resoundingly yes. He has been an adequate defender and a dominant offensive player. I 
Can we talk a bit about the when he scores a bunch, they lose thing? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, all right. So I actually think there is a ton of history backing that up, not involving him necessarily. So his four highest scoring playoff games of his career, they're 0-4. Do you think it's fair to call Jokic a point center? Yeah. Okay. Isaiah Thomas. His the sprained ankle game, his only 40-point career playoff game, they lost. Isaiah Thomas's five highest scoring career playoff games, losses. Steve Nash's three highest scoring playoff games, losses. Stockton's three highest scoring losses. Magic's three highest scoring losses. T- there absolutely is something too when the guy who gets everyone involved has to take on the scoring burden. It can have downstream effects, not only on your offense, but what made Isaiah, the original Isaiah, so brilliant is he understood this offensive possession might not be the most efficient if I go through Rick Mahorn, but I get the best version of Rick Mahorn if he knows he's going to be able to touch the ball occasionally. If Michael Porter Jr. had gotten a bunch of clean looks and made them early in game two, I think his defense would have been better later in game two. Sure. So I absolutely, I know Spo tried to dismiss it. I absolutely think it is their strategy and it is a smart strategy of let Jokic create 55 points where it is 45 him scoring, 10 him assisting, as opposed to 30 25 splits. And I think that's how the Heat win the title. Well, the Heat win the title if Bam Adebayo keeps. Jokic honest both ends of the floor. Yep. Because yeah, if you look at what uh, Bam did guarding him uh, last game, Jokic scored, I think, uh, field goal percentage was 46%. Everybody else, when they guarded him, it was 77%. 70. So yeah. he, if he keeps him honest at both ends, then they can win this thing. Uh, well, they also, with Bam, I don't know, I'm sure you noticed, you have a very you know refined basketball eye. Uh, but they had Bam doing some of the point center stuff, bringing the ball up the court, which is an odd way. It's kind of like the offensive equivalent of when someone guards Steph the moment he brings the ball in. It's like he's okay, he's not going to turn the ball over in the backcourt, but it wears on him a bit. Yeah. When the guy Jokic is guarding is initiating the offense, it gives him no time to rest. Even if he's not going to be out there, he's got to be locked in, paying attention. And so. I, the interesting thing to me is, what does Miami do in the eight minutes a game Bam has to sit? If he gets in foul trouble, they're cooked. They got no chance. Zeller is not playable. They have another seven-footer named Omer Yurt Seven. He's not going to play. The other 6'10 guy is Nikola Jovic, the rookie. He's not ready. And then they do have... A guy your age, Dan. Kevin Love. And no, oh. no. UD. <laughs> Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam. Dust him off. Let him get 90 I don't, seconds. I don't think three he, hard fouls. He doesn't Let have, him do it. He doesn't have shorts underneath his uh, warm-ups. Oh. Let him do it. Could you imagine UD <laughs> if the swan song of his career is two minutes of hard fouls on the league MVP? I love it. Sure. I, I, because you can't play Zeller. No, you know, I believed at one point the Heat were playing Zeller as a psychological ploy against their opponent. I maybe told you this. I'm not sure that it's like, all right, hey, guys, 
we're going to give this premature balding white guy with a mask eight minutes a night just because it naturally is going to make the other team take us less seriously and we're going to take advantage but then but they but at this point it's run its course it's just run its course he's uh, nick wright co-host of first things first on fox sports one and subscribe to what's right with nick wright on youtube or wherever you get your podcast who do you think leaked the story that Kyrie was recruiting lebron to dallas oh this is so fascinating there's so many this is such this is a really fascinating like piece of journalism, the Chris Haynes story, the full Chris Haynes story. So now I understand somehow that in some quarters they're like, oh, obviously LeBron did this or Clutch did this. I don't see of the candidates for leaking, I don't see what they had to gain from this. But there are pieces of this that I think came from all different sources. So I think the genesis of this report is Kyrie not because he thinks LeBron is going to get bought out by the Lakers and sign with the Mavs for the minimum, because that can't happen. And the Mavs are not going to be able to trade for LeBron. I think Kyrie wanted this out there to engender support from the Mavs to give him a max contract. Look, guys, I'm already recruiting. I'm all in. You get in the Kyrie Irving business, maybe not this year, but in a future year, maybe you get in the LeBron James business. Maybe you get in a different superstar business because no matter what the media thinks of me being Kyrie, other NBA players like me. I'm very popular. People like my game. So this is, I think, Kyrie trying to look like a good employee. But the other most interesting part of that story was in the initial write-up of it, Chris Haynes wrote, the Mavs had discussions prior to the deadline about trading for LeBron James. That is before the, when the Lakers were floundering. That's what was written. Yeah. I and then others pointed out, um, literally ineligible to be traded. Because of when he signed his contract, he literally couldn't be traded. They could have offered Luka and 30 first-round picks, and the Lakers would have had to say, sorry, not allowed. Haynes then added a line to it that said they left in. They had discussion about trading for LeBron, comma, despite the fact they were not able to. So that's a weird meeting. It's like, hey, guys, I got an idea to trade for LeBron. <laughs> Someone else like, yeah, let's trade for LeBron. And then somebody in the back who took, you know, took Bobby Marks' CBA course is like, um, excuse me, pardon me, uh, not allowed. They're like, okay, good meeting. So here is what's noteworthy. That couldn't have come from Kyrie. Because that is reporting on something that happened before they even had Kyrie. So why was that in the story? Here's my hypothesis. The Mavs leaked that part of it to engender loyalty from Luka. Look, man, we're trying everything. We're, we will do anything to make this team better, up to and including trying to trade for players who are not trade eligible. We just want you to be happy. So I think there's a lot of you know, kind of signaling going on through this reporting. But ultimately, I think Kyrie's going to be a Mav on a more expensive contract than I would pay, and LeBron's going to be a Laker next year. Yeah, but why don't you leak a trade rumor that has to do with somebody that you can actually acquire? Yeah, I think that was a misstep. I got to tell you, I think that that was... Like Dame Lillard. Sloppy. Hey, we're trying to get Dame Lillard. Okay, there's well, there's validity to that. 
I think it was, again, I'm just speculating here, and maybe this is poor form by me. Maybe I shouldn't do this. I think it's because Luca has talked about that LeBron was his idol, that this was the player he most looked up to, and LeBron is like the only superstar in the league that carries un- that carries that level of weight along with Luca recognizing it would still be my team because he's so old. You know what I mean? Like if you say Dame, there are people out there like Dame's better than Luca. I think they're wrong, but so I I but the problem was, of course, he was not eligible. But yeah, but here's the thing with Luca. If I'm Luca and they go, oh my God, they're trying to get my idol here. And then you realize that your organization doesn't know that they can't get LeBron. Then yeah, you're that's going, a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, you look foolish. I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. Like, I think, so I think it was, you know, it was said in a reporter's ear without necessarily thinking it was going to become one of the major tent poles of the story and then have jerks like me be like, literally can't do it, and yeah. now you're kind of boxed in. Again, I'm speculating here. I don't know. Uh, what happens tonight? The Heat win, man. Okay. The Heat are, the heat are going to win the title. But Dan, I... I and your favorite into- player, Reggie Miller, said the Heat in six, just letting you know, Nick. Reggie Miller... Uh, so here's an interesting thing, and then I'll get to the game. <laughs> there are put Reggie and Jimmy's careers side by side. Yeah, regular season, it's, postseason. We've talked about. It's that. really interesting. Okay, so you guys talked about it. My apologies. Yeah, I, yeah, I we have. It. The uh, but like the All Star appearances, the All NBAs, sure, the playoff stuff. It is very similar, and. I've maybe been a little harsh on Reggie on this show to yes, kind of needle you. Yes, I have. Have. Listen, yes, have. I've said so. I've said this privately, but I'll say it publicly. Reggie is the best 18-3-3 guy in league history, and I don't even think it's deniable. <laughs> now, you're such to the ass. Miami... To, no, I'm just... You're just, just what he ass. is! You're like just Stephen A. Hey, you're going to call no. Joker fat, you know, tub of lard. <laughs> well, that, you know, that that reference is dated. Those 18-3-3 are etched <laughs> in stone. Those ain't changing, buddy. He ain't going back. Um, but Come postseason, you don't want to mess with Reggie. No, listen, of course. And there's a lot of legend that comes with having a legitimate seven-game series with Jordan, one of only two guys to do it, and having a legitimate blood feud with one of America's greatest filmmakers. That, you know, I mean, those things carry a lot of weight. Now, And he got into a fight with Michael Jordan. He wasn't afraid of Michael Jordan. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The... the, I'm not going to take any more shots at Reggie Miller. I'm just not going to do it. You're trying to bait me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. not no, it. I'm trying you to are. prevent you from embarrassing yourself. I'm not embarrassing. Yes, Listen. you are. Yes, you are. Be nice. Listen. Try it. I have a lot of res- I have a lot of respect for the 79th greatest player in the history of the <laughs> NBA. A lot. Um, now, if I may resume, uh, final 30 seconds. Let's go. There is the Heat are going to win the title, Dan. And Jimmy Butler is going to be on stage holding the Larry O'Brien and the Bill Russell, or maybe Bam's holding the Bill Russell. And that's going to be the image. And the next morning on sports television, <laughs> someone's going to give a list of top five contenders for next season. And the Heat aren't going to be oh, on. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's going to be, and, and we're going to have this, this Chiron on the bottom of our TV shows. The Miami Heat champions, comma, 
but were they any good? Question mark. I mean, they, they, there is nothing this team's going to be able to do to gain people's respect up to and including beating the Bucs. The same with Celtics, the Nuggets. And then the Nuggets. If the Nuggets win, it'll be Nuggets win title. What are the Lakers' chances next year? Well, no, but people understand the Nuggets are awesome. They might be boring, but people know they're awesome. People don't think the Heat are awesome. That's that's a different. You you and Michael Malone can complain that oh I'm sorry where we spend more time talking about Tom Cruise than Paul Thomas Anderson. Like oh but look at the filmographies. Give me a break. That's what America is. I'm sorry that keeping up with the Kardashians outrates Downton Abbey, but that is society. D- d- don't argue with the consumer about what they want. Stop that, Michael Malone and Dan Patrick. I'm not saying anything other than you guys fall victim to, let's talk, the Cowboys and the Lakers every single day. But And I'm telling you, first of all, haven't talked to the Cowboys. Talked to them yesterday. (laughs) Prior to that, haven't talked to them in two months. Uh, First of all, the Lakers are interesting. The Lakers are interesting. They were the 13th seed. They made the conference finals. They have the greatest player of all time. They're interesting. Uh, what what does uh, Micah Parsons think of the live tour? That's what we're going to bring up later on today on first things. Okay, first. you know what? what what's LeBron? What is, what is, what's LeBron think of uh, Jay Monahan as commissioner moving forward? You know what? You know you, you know. Okay. Okay. That's fine. All right. We we all do our own thing. I know. Everybody. I know, but you were just criticizing me because I brought up the uh, Nuggets there, and you said, "Oh, you and Michael Malone," and I call him Mike. I by just, the way. I, uh, well, you're not supposed to call him. Oh, Mike. I know, but I do. Mad. But I do. Oh, you do. Okay, no, that's I fine. Don't. I don't. It's my, All right, my sorry, call. we're late. Okay. I'll talk All right. to you See later. You later. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. All right, that's first things first. That's Nick Wright. Subscribe to What's Right with Nick Wright on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I don't know if we solved anything, but then we rarely do. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.